Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. Oh, praise the Lord. Are you happy? I don't know how you could not. I could lay on the floor right now and feel like I went to heaven because worship was so good. But uh, it's good to see you all this morning. It's good to be seen. Um, We're going to continue in our series today, and um, I'm very pleased about the way our series has been going. This is part three of a series titled God's Will Is. Um, Have you been getting blessed by this? Has this been helping you? Because I know it's been helping me to study for it and to prepare and to, um, you know, preach it. So I'm hoping that it's blessing you as well. Before we jump into the word, let's make our confession of faith that we make together every Sunday. It's up on the screens, you know it. It says, Thank you, Father, that today the eyes of my heart see you, the ears of my heart hear you, my heart and mind perceive and understand your word and your will. Today I am growing in the things of God. I want to tell you this morning that I believe that no matter what you came in with, no matter what challenge you're facing, no matter what the road looks like for you, God is here to meet your need and meet you right where you're at. He's not intimidated by the challenges of your life. He's not intimidated by what you've done or where you've been or how things have happened in your life to bring you to this moment. He's not intimidated by any of that. Amen, because he's a good God. The Bible says the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. So no matter what you came in with, you can leave free, you can leave happy, you can leave filled with joy, you can leave clean, you can leave refreshed in the presence of the Lord today. So I want to encourage you to press into the word together with me. Let's get everything that God has for us today. What do you say? Can we do that? Hallelujah. Amen. Well, Father, we ask you to bless your word today. Let the blessing of your word permeate our hearts. Lord, let the wisdom of God come to us as we dive in, as we study to show ourselves approved, as we enter into this relationship with your word this morning. God, we pray that you would speak to us out of it. And we pray that you'd give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, let our heart be open and perceptive and receptive to the truth of your word. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. I don't know why it's so satisfying to go, everybody said, but for some reason that's very satisfying for me to do that. All right, Proverbs chapter 3, this is part 3 of the series God's Will Is. God's Will Is. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, a very famous, very popular um, passage to a lot of people. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. A couple of weeks ago, we read that verse out of the New American Standard, and it says that If we acknowledge him in all of our ways, he will make our paths straight. And I love the way that Bible version renders it, that he would make our paths 
straight. A couple quick reviews, and I would encourage you, if you haven't been able to be here for some of this so far, go to uh, our website, highcountrychristian.com, and check out the podcast so that you can get caught up. The first two weeks uh, of the series are there, and you can uh, get caught up on everything that we've been talking about. The, the temptation for me is to re-preach the stuff that I've already preached when I'm doing review, and then, and then that wastes a lot of time. So uh, just real quick review. Uh, just to touch on what we've talked about. We said that the will of God for every single person is as simple as God making your path straight. A lot of times we try to figure out the will of God and boil it down to a career choice or, or a, one static part of our life and say, well, what is God's will? Is, is God's will for me to be an astronaut or a lawyer or a garbage man? And it's, we've said that God's will can't be reduced to just that. In your life, it can't be reduced to only your profession. Okay, uh, God's will is as simple as God making your path straight. Now we said that the process of God making our path straight begins with us acknowledging Him in everything. He can't make your path straight if you don't acknowledge Him. That's what verse six taught us of Proverbs three. We said last week that acknowledging God ensures that His way always becomes my way. Because I can't acknowledge God in something he has no part in. Yeah. The example that I used was robbing a bank. God, you, you're not going to acknowledge God and get his favor for your bank robbery. Right. right? Lord, we just want you to bless this, you know, me and Johnny as we go into the bank here. We just pull our ski masks on and Father in Jesus' name, we just speak confusion to the tellers in the name of Jesus and command that safe to open. God's not going to give you favor to do something that's not his will. So acknowledging him ensures that his way becomes your way because he's not going to bless something that he has no part in. Does that make sense? We said that the will of God is like the GPS on our phone. It doesn't, it, it, when, we, when we type it in, we, t we punch in the coordinates, it begins to tell us where we're going. And we said that, you know, if the music's too loud... And you can't hear it. If the distraction in your life is too loud, you won't hear the next step. You won't hear the next direction. Oftentimes, we need to tone down the distraction so we can hear the direction. Amen? We said that um, God doesn't like the GPS. God doesn't show us the whole journey. He just shows us the next step. Amen? The GPS, when you, when you typed it in and you're going down the highway, what's the GPS say? It just tells you the next detail. Get off at such and such an exit. Three, in three miles, merge to the right. You all know what it's like to have that lady talk to you in your car, right? We said that God doesn't show you the whole journey, just the next step. Why? Because he's kind. Because he's kind and because he knows all you need to do is focus on the next step, right? It's his mercy that causes him to, to not show us the entire thing. He gives us one thing to focus on, and that's the next step. We said, and I'm almost done with my review, we said that God was strategic in the way that he created us. We read Psalm 37 where the Bible says that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, he gives us the desires of our heart, right? And we said God was strategic in the way he created us. The things that we're wired to do naturally are often a part of his will for our lives. And that as we delight ourselves in the Lord, as we become pliable, he molds our heart around the desire that he puts in there. Amen? 
So you need to go, that, we, we talked quite a bit on that, so I encourage you to go back and check that out on the podcast. But now, let's move forward in the teaching this week. What if, let me ask you a question, what if you could always be in the center of God's will without ever missing it? What if? Maybe I should say it to you this way. Is it possible for you to be in the center of God's will without ever missing it? Say lots. Not a trick question. You just think about it for a moment. Is it possible for us to go through this life and stay perpetually in the will of God? I believe that it is. Today we're going to talk about living in God's will for our lives by discovering two things. Discovering his will in his word and discovering his will by the leading of his spirit. Discovering his will by his word and discovering his will by the leading of his spirit. I would like for you to turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Some of you may already know where I'm going. Psalm 119. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. Psalm 119, verse 105. I love this verse. (laughs) Psalm 119, 105. And it reads... Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If you grew up in church like I did, you probably heard this verse a time or three, right? And I don't know about you, but I always thought this verse was super redundant, Because it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I thought, oh, that sounds kind of redundant. And then I had a couple of experiences happen that taught me why it's written the way that it is. Uh, You see, as we go through the course of life, we need a light both for our path and for our feet. Right? We need a light both for our path and for our feet. I, I remember a, a situation that happened in my life. I was at um, Perry, uh, Perry's in-law's house, Joy's parents, their old house. And we were over there watching football or something like that. And there was some guys over there, and we were, it was late, and it was time for me to go home. I was getting tired. And so it's dark outside. I walk out the front door, walk down the, si- the sidewalk, and I know... I've been to the house a bunch of times, so I pretty much know my way around. And I see my car in the driveway, and at the end of their walkway to the driveway is about three steps going down to the driveway. And I know that this is coming. I know that these steps are here. And I'm thinking in my head that there's two steps, but really there was three. And so I stepped down step one, step two, and then I did one of these longer steps expecting to find pavement and found nothing. And I fell and broke my phone. I was so angry because my phone was in my pocket and I landed on it and smashed the screen. And I used to just get on my wife all the time about breaking screens. And and I was like, look at me, Mr. Perfect. I've never broken a screen. And I didn't even have a protective case on it until I fell. The problem was, (laughs) 
Yeah, it was a good amen. It was well-timed, honey. That's right. That's right. She's like, mm-hmm, preach. Mm, mm. Go ahead now. I could, here's the problem. Here's the problem. There was enough moonlight that night for me to see my car, but I couldn't see my feet. I could see my destination, but I couldn't see my feet. Then there was a time when I was driving home down 421, and we live out in Fleetwood, so I was driving out to my house, coming home from work or something, and I was up at, well, I always call this the pass. It's where the big Baptist church is at the top of the hill on 421, and if you live out that way, you know that's the windiest part of the road, and that's one of the heaviest places that snow falls. And I was driving home in a blizzard, like a blizzard of blizzards, and I couldn't see Two feet in front of my car. It's one of those ones where you're super aware of your headlights because they're shining on the snow right in front of your car. And I couldn't, I didn't know if I was on the road or not. And so what I did is I rolled down my window and stuck my head out the side. I'm going about 10 miles an hour just trying to find the yellow line. I found the yellow line and, I, and the yellow line guided me all the way home. That was a situation where I could see where I was but couldn't see where I was going. You see, sometimes you need a light for your path, and sometimes you need a light for your feet. There are different seasons of life that hit us differently. Sometimes the challenge is where I am. Other times the challenge is where I'm going. But either way, I need the word to be my guide to get me there. I don't know if you've ever been there, man, but there's some times in your life where you're just like, I don't know where I am right now. I don't know where I am. I mean, I kind of have an idea of what the future holds, and I kind of know where I'm going, but right now, I couldn't tell you where I am. I'm confused. Things are upside down. I don't know right from wrong. I don't know top from bottom. Anybody besides me ever been there? I don't know where I am. I need a word to show me where I am. I need a word to come and locate my heart. You ever been there? And then sometimes I need a word, Lord. I'm like, Lord, I know where I'm at in life. I'm steady, I'm secure, but I don't know where I'm going. Can you show me where I'm going? And then sometimes I don't know where I'm going and I don't know where I am. (laughs) Amen. Did you ever get lost in a city, in a new city? You don't know where you're going and you don't know where you are either. None of this looks familiar. How many of you know the word of God? is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. You want to know the will of God for your life? you got to get in the Word to find it. Amen. Praise God. Let's look at a few other verses that drive this point home about the Word of God being connected to the will of God. I want to submit to you that if you don't know the Word, you'll never know God's will for your life. Amen. If you, don't, if you don't have an acquaintance with his word, you'll never know what his will is for your life because his will is revealed in his word. It's his word that is the vehicle to reveal to us and bring to us the truth of his will. Go with me to Psalm 43. Psalm 43. I love hearing the turning pages of Scripture. Everybody looks at their Scripture on their phones now. 
I think it was Bill Johnson said he's going to create an app that makes a page turning sound so that when people are on their phones, it still sounds like they're turning. Psalm chapter 43, verse 3 says, Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. The word of God is a light in your life. Send out your light and your truth. Look how the the psalmist pairs those two concepts together. You see that the word of God is light to my heart. It's light, it's wisdom, it's illumination, it's revelation to my heart. Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 23. It says, For the commandment is a lamp, and the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. His commandment to you is a lamp and a light. It's illumination. It's showing you where to go. One more verse on this. Psalm 19, verse 8. Psalm 19, verse 8. Check this out. It says, the statutes of the Lord. How many know what a statute is? It's like a word. It's a commandment. It's a declaration. I used to think that was a statue, like in a park. The statutes of the Lord. No. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Watch. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. You see, the word of God, when it enters into your heart and into your mind, creates light and gives you sight and gives you vision. So many people in this world are hungry for vision in their life. Where am I going? What am I doing? What's my purpose? Why am I here? I need some vision to get me through. We, we stand up and we quote scriptures like, where there is no vision, the people perish. But blessed is he that keeps the law. The reality is without the word of God, without the commandment of God, without the statute of God, I am not seeing life clearly. Don't think you can escape this reality. You can't. Without the word of God, there is no light. I, I'm going to do an example of this here. Honey, I need you to come up here and <clears throat> be the, uh, I need you to be the word of God again for me, okay? A couple weeks ago, she was Jesus in this little example, okay? Now, what I want you to do is I want you to just walk around, for, just walk back and forth, and I want to show you guys how easy it is to follow, so we're talking about the will of God. Isn't she beautiful? Isn't she lovely? Uh, just keep going. Walk, walk, walk. Now, look. Now, look. Look how easy it is for me to follow her when I can see her. How easy is it for me to follow her when I can see her? How about when I can't see her? How easy is it for me to follow her? A little harder. You're getting colder. Warmer, warmer. If I can't see her, I don't know where she is. (laughs) I don't know where I am, (laughs) quite frankly. 
I'm really, I really do have my eyes closed right now. I'm not peeking. Turn around, they said. Okay. Oh, there you are. Did you ever, did you ever, oh, there you are, God. Did you ever bump into him by accident? What do you need to keep you following the plan of God? You need sight. You need the ability to see where he's going. And in order to see where he's going, you need his word in your life. Amen? Amen. Thanks. Why is God's word essential to understanding his will? Because it's the word of God that causes me to see everything else is just living in darkness. His word actually gives me the ability to see him so that I can follow where he leads now, b- before I move on to the, the second part of this message, I want to I say this. God's word is the first place that he speaks to you. If you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write that down. That is one, that is, that is a truth that has helped me immensely in discerning the will of God for my life over the years. That the word of God is the first place God speaks to you. It's not the last place, and it's not the only place, but it is the first place that he speaks to you. Many people want to be able to hear God. Oh, I wish God would talk to me. Oh, pastor, I wish the Lord would speak to me the way he speaks to you. I'm going to tell you, God has spoken to you. It's called your Bible. And if you'll turn to any page at any moment in time, God is speaking to you right then. And you think, well, I, can't, I don't get much out of the word. I, I, you know, I have to sit down to read it, and it's kind of confusing, and I don't really seem to get much out of it. If you'll go to the word with a humble heart, and if you'll ask the Holy Spirit to show you stuff in the word, I'm here to tell you, you'll be casually reading along, and something will jump off the page and body slam you, and you'll be like, oh, dear God, that was you. Why? Because the first place God talks to you is out of his word. It's not the last place. We're getting ready to talk about finding his will by his spirit. So his spirit is involved too. But the first place you and I have to become comfortable is in the word of God. We, we, you know, we casually throw around ideas like quiet time. Well, you know, I was in my quiet time this morning and the Lord really blessed me. <laughs> Amen. We, we talk about quiet time. It's our, it's our thing. It's the thing we do. It's the six minutes before I take a shower or it's my three-minute drive into work or whatever the case may be. It's some portion of our day. Quiet time is not here to, to you know, give you a reason to check off a box of religious duty. It's not about being perfect and having you know, an unbroken. I've, I've had quiet time 473 days in a row without breaking my streak. That's not what it's about. It is about you and I familiarizing ourselves with the word of God so that we position ourselves to hear his voice. When the word, when the voice of God comes roaring out of the scripture to you, your life will be changed in a moment. They used to say this when, when we were growing up in church. They would say, one word from God can change your life forever. You've been, doing, you've been going to counseling for 39 years trying to fix this one issue that happened in your past and the word of God can come in and in an instant annihilate that thing from your thinking and you can be free. Or you can go for another 39 years. 
I'm not talking bad about counseling. I'm not saying anything like that. There's great counselors, and we get a lot out of that. But the reality is that ought to be something we add on to our relationship with the Word of God. We can't know his will without knowing his word. So you say, well, what, what, what do I do if I open his Bible, or if I open my Bible and my name's not printed there in the scripture? Some of you are not as fortunate as I am to have your name in the scripture. I have a whole book named after me. Isn't that cool? Just kidding. I used to rub that into my sister's face when we were little. I would tell her, I got a book named after me and you don't. <laughs> what, what happens if I go into, his, into, into my word and I don't see anything that seems to grab me? I don't see my circumstance spelled out in Scripture. Well, how many of you know that it doesn't stop with his word? It starts there, but it doesn't stop with his word. His spirit still speaks. His spirit still speaks. I want to talk to you in the closing part of this message about discovering his will by being led by his spirit. And I'll say this too, we could take weeks and months to talk about each one of these two subjects. They honestly deserve more than a half a sermon each, right? I could talk for weeks about being led by the Spirit, but I want to give you a kind of a condensed idea of that this morning. Before I say anything else about being led by the Spirit, I need to say this. There is a cultural stigma that exists when it comes to being led by the Holy Spirit. To say that I'm being led by the Spirit in the minds of many people implies weirdness, mysticism, and a detachment from society. Right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? I don't know about those Pentecostal people. They're weird. There's this cultural stigma that goes with the idea of being led from the inside out. It's this idea of weirdness. I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit's not weird. Jesus was not weird. <laughs> I mean, if there was any person in the history of humanity that always was led by the Spirit in everything that he did, it was Jesus, and he wasn't weird at all. The Bible says, two things I notice about the life of Jesus. The Bible says, number one, he had the oil of joy more than all of his brethren. He was anointed with joy more than everybody. Jesus was the happiest of all the 12 or 13 with him included. When him and the boys, Matthew, Mark, and John, and Luke, and all these guys are walking through the, you know, Samaria, he's happy. Peter might have been having a terrible day, but Jesus wasn't. He was happy. He was fun to be around. He was normal. And he followed the Spirit more than anybody in history has ever followed the Spirit. He, he is the exemplary definition of the Spirit-led life is Jesus, and he was actually super happy and fun to be around. He wasn't a goofball. He wasn't weird. He wasn't mystical. He was happy. And he was normal. When Judas Iscariot goes when, you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane where the, where the Roman soldiers go to arrest Jesus just hours before he's to be crucified? When they do that, Judas says, listen, I'll let you know who Jesus is. He'll be the one that I, that I greet with a kiss. Do you know why that's significant? Because Jesus looked like everybody else. 
The Roman guards didn't know what he, what he would look like, so they said, Judas, you got to help us identify the person we're supposed to arrest. He said, okay, it'll be the one that I greet with a kiss. Jesus wasn't some high and mighty weirdo person. He was super happy and super normal, and he dressed like everybody else, and he looked like everybody else, and he blended in with the crowd because he was just a normal guy. My dad, when he was a young Christian, he was just early, early in the ministry, and he was, uh, we, this was when we lived in Niagara Falls, New York, and, and there's a place that we would always often go hiking uh, down in the gorge. It's a big canyon that goes down to the lower Niagara River after the water goes over the falls, and it's a beautiful hike. And my dad was out there, and he, he had gotten this little manual called How to Be Led by the Spirit and How to Walk in the Spirit, and it was all like breathing exercises, so he's walking down this path in, in this pretty steep gorge, and he's trying to do all this funky breathing stuff because he wants to walk in the Spirit. And he realized, he got to about halfway down there and realized, I am lightheaded and I am hyperventilating on the edge of a cliff. This is not good. And the Holy Spirit brought him to this verse. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Do you want to know what it is to walk in the Spirit? It's to be led by the Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Check this out. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. You want to do the will of God in your life? You want to know what His will is for your life? You've got to find it in His Word, and then you've got to commit to being led by His Spirit. <laughs> commit to allow the Holy Spirit to have the most influence when it comes time to make a decision. I told you about the, a couple weeks ago, I told you about the night that my sister and I were riding in, uh, in my car years and years ago before I knew Brianne, before anything. I was in Florida, and, and we were driving through Sarasota, and we had gotten this invitation to go to our friend's house for a party. Do you all remember me talking about that? And you remember when, when I said to her, we were both kind of feeling like, we probably shouldn't go to this party, and I looked at her, and I was like, should we go to this party? And I'm like, I don't think we should go. And she's like, yeah, I don't think we should go either. And we're like, all right, let's go. And we went. And we got there, and all our people were doing stupid stuff. And thank God we didn't get arrested. What did I do in that moment? I made a choice to allow my decision to be influenced by something other than the Spirit of God. In our car, if I could go back to that moment, in my car, I'm driving, and the Holy Spirit is popping up all these little red flags. Like, hey, doofus, don't go to the party. You already have a bad feeling about this. Did you ever have a bad feeling about this before you did it? Come on, please, somebody besides me. I mean, yeah, okay, thank you. Thank you. I feel awfully lonely up here sometimes. <laughs> if you've ever had a bad feeling about something before you're getting ready to do it, you know what? That's probably the Spirit of God waving a big red flag saying, don't do it. Yeah. A pastor that I heard one time said, it's better to put a fence at the top of a cliff than put an ambulance at the bottom. 
Better to put a fence at the top of the cliff than an ambulance at the bottom. Better to put a restraint in your life of the Spirit of God than to have to be bailed out after. You want to you do the will of God in your life? Commit to being led by his spirit. Commit to make the decision that when the red flag is being waved, I'm going to take notice. And I'm going to let him have all the influence in my decision making. Go to Psalm 143, verse 10. I got so many scriptures today. I'm sorry, guys. I'm throwing a lot of scriptures at you. But, well, I'm not sorry. It's the Bible. <laughs> we need to hear it. Psalm 143, verse 10. Check this out. I'm going to read it in the King James, and I'll read it to you in a couple other versions. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Your spirit is good. Do you see the leadership of the spirit of God in that verse? Let me read it to you from the New American Standard. It says, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. The Living Bible says, help me to do your will, for you are my God. Lead me in good paths, for your spirit is good. You see, one thing we have to do is settle within our hearts forever the fact that the Spirit of God is good and that He is interested in leading us to good places. <coughs> Excuse me. Places that are beneficial to us. Places that our heart wants to be. The will of God is the best possible place for you and I to live. I know sometimes it feels like there's something else out there that we need to pursue that would be better than the will of God. I've got to tell you, it's just not the case. It's just not the case. Your heart desires to be in God's will. From the moment you get saved and you get reborn on the inside, the moment your nature changes, your heart desires to be in the will of God. I said this last week, the most miserable Christians are the ones that are avoiding the will of God because they have to every day fight within themselves to distance themselves from God's will. It's way easier for you to be in the will of God than it is to miss it. Amen? Help me to do your will, for you are my God. Lead me in good paths, for your spirit is good. It's the voice of God by his spirit that will lead us through every season and every decision of life. One more scripture. It comes from Galatians chapter 5. And it's verse 16. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. And then I'm going to give you like five verses that you can write down and go look at later that are examples of everything that I talked about today. Galatians 5 and 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. When you realize that there's a war going on for your soul, 
you recognize that the enemy is constantly trying to use areas within our flesh against us. Did you ever find that out to be true, man? You, you, the, the enemy is just working overtime to use our flesh against us. And Paul is teaching us a principle here that if we'll listen to it, we'll actually come out on top every time. Remember when I said you can walk in the will of God and never miss it and never be, you can be in the center of God's will and never miss it? This is one of the ways. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. I wrote this in my notes. Walking in the spirit keeps you from missing God's will by walking in sin. The word walk, I want to give you two word definitions as we close. The word walk here in the Greek means to regulate one's life or to conduct oneself. This is not talking about falling into a sin. This is talking about walking and regulating your life. This is not talking about walking once or twice in the Spirit. This is talking about regulating your conduct. The words shall not fulfill are the words which means to bring to a finish, to bring to completion, to perform the last act which completes a process. This word fulfill is the same exact Greek word that was used when Jesus hung on the cross and said, it is finished. It's the exact same word for finished. So walk means to regulate your life. Shall not fulfill means to bring to completion or to bring to a finish. With that understanding, we could read Galatians 5 like this. Regulate your life and conduct according to the leading of God's Spirit. And by default, you will not allow sin to mature and complete a process of destruction in your life. Let me read it one more time. Regulate your life and conduct and, and conduct according to the leading of God's Spirit, and by default, you'll not allow sin to mature and complete a process of destruction in your life. In other words, if we live a life that is yielded to the Spirit of God, we can go through life never missing God's will. We can go through life never missing God's will. His will is the best place we can be. It's his heart for us to experience his best. What parent doesn't want the best for their kids? Hello? What parent doesn't want the best for their kids? We spend, listen, we spend countless dollars in our society, countless hours in our lives trying to make life easier and better for our kids than it was for us. I think about my grandparents. They came to this country from Italy in 1951, and they had nothing. They had $5 in a suitcase. They traveled across the Atlantic Ocean for 30 days on a boat. And they spent every ounce of their life trying to make my mom's life better than theirs. They were poor people that came from a poor part of a poor country after World War II. They had nothing. My grandfather worked his butt off pouring concrete so that my mom would have a better life. 
What parent doesn't want the best for their kids? God wants the best for you. Do you think that God is somehow inferior to our lives as parents? How many parents are in here? Just show me by raise of hands. Y'all know this is true. You want your kids' lives to be blessed. You want, their, you want your, your kids to go farther in life than you do. Do you think that God is somehow inferior to you? Do we think that he, because he's so great and because he's so God, or because he's so God, because he's so big, he somehow does not want the best for us? Jeremiah 29, 11, it's one of the most quoted scriptures ever. And it says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and to give you a future. God's desire for your life is way better than your desire for your life. He is a good father who's made good promises and has a good will established for us. And all we have to do is learn to trust him in it, to acknowledge him with it, to go in his word and let his word speak to us, to get, to get alone with his spirit and allow his spirit to be the, the decision maker on the inside. It's not weird to walk in the Spirit. It's actually super normal and really quite fun, to be honest. To know that in every situation and in every decision, there's somebody living on the inside of me who already knows the answer. Oh, glory to God. What if, we, what if we just let him be God in our life? What if we got sensitive enough what if we got intentional enough to yield to his spirit? What if I just relinquished control long enough for God to make a few decisions in my life and make my path straight? I'm telling you, you're one decision away from the Lord making your path straight. You are one decision, one letting go moment away from God making your path straight. You see, we do this. We're walking along with God and, and he says, go right. And instead of going right, we go left because we think we're smart. Like me and Laura, we go to the party where we know they're going to be doing drugs and other bad things. And we go this direction for long enough that God's will gets farther and farther and farther away from us. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been where you think, man, I've missed it for so long that I can't even really see the will of God anymore. It's like way that way. And here's what we think we have to do. We think we have to go back to the place where we missed it and try to find our way again and then go after God's will. I did this in my life. I was running from the call of God on my life for almost a year. Funny thing was I was still in church phoning it in. I'd preach on that for another hour. I won't. We have lunch to eat. 
I'll try to get out of here fast. I was in a situation in my life where I was running from God for almost a year, running from the call of God on my life. I know I'm called to the ministry. No, I'm called to pastor. I'm leading worship at this time, living like a moron. I'd moved out of my parents' house, had no accountability, didn't have to answer to anybody for anything, and I started being an idiot. And I'm running, running, running from the call of God. And the more I go this way, the farther and farther God's will seems away from me. And I had this idea in my head that I got to go back to where I missed it. I got to backtrack. Have you ever felt that way? The Bible says in the book of Isaiah that God makes a way in the wilderness. You see, what happens is when you, when you go off in the wrong direction, farther and farther away from God's will, you're getting deeper and deeper into the wilderness, the place where there are no roads and there's, no, there's nothing to guide you and you're open prey for something to try to come take you out. And the reality is you don't have to turn and find your way back to the will of God because he makes a way in the wilderness. He makes a way in the wilderness. Just about the time you thought, I miss God's will so badly that I'll never be able to get back on track. Somehow, God cuts a way through the wilderness. You open your eyes and realize you're right where he wanted you the whole time. Whoa. How did he do that? We sung about it earlier. He's the way maker the miracle worker, the promise keeper, the light in the darkness. My God, that's who you are. The Bible says he will redeem the years that the locust ate. You've been running from God. You've been running from your calling. You've been doing this. You've been doing that. You've been all over the map. And God says, all I need you to do is just turn your heart just to, uh, just this much. Just turn your heart this much. Just open the door this much and I'll come in and I'll redeem the years the locust ate. It doesn't say that I'll redeem you. It says I'll redeem the years. I'll make up the difference of time that you lost because I'm God. I created time. I can do whatever I want with time. Glory to God. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, he says, redeem the time because the days are evil. The enemy is working overtime on your flesh, trying to get you to not walk in the spirit and lead you in a direction out in the wilderness where you can't hear God. But the moment that you let yourself go, the moment that you say, Lord, I'll let you make the next decision, is the moment you find yourself right where you're supposed to be. You didn't have to go back and find where you missed it. You didn't have to backtrack five years and try to fix everything. You're not in the fixing business. God is. He's the redeemer, not you. He can redeem whatever mess you've made of your life. Glory to God. He'll do it in an instant because he's God. Oh, but how does it work? I don't know. He's God. He can do it. I can't, but he can, and he wants to. He wants to lead you back to the place where you and him are walking together, and he's making your path straight. Oh, don't go this way. Oh, mm, mm, come back this way. Oh, come back this way. He's God, and he's good, and he loves you so much. You're so valuable to him. He wants more than anything for you to walk close to him and be in his will. 
because that's where your life flourishes. Now, next week, we're going to talk about the indicators of the will of God. We're going to close this series out, and then we're going to move on to a series on prayer. It's going to be great. We're going to close the year in prayer. It's going to be awesome. But we're going to talk next week about indicators that you're in the will of God. There's 11 things I found in Scripture that are indicators that you're in God's will. Stuff like peace, stuff like favor, stuff like stability, stuff like health, protection. I'm not going to give them all away. You got to come back. Let's stand up to our feet. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.